0: Nerdlings. This is Ash. And this is Matt, And you're listening to Crime Time Nerds, a sister podcast, which is now a member of the Spilled Potion Independent Arts Collective. You can check out all the awesome things the collective is up to, as well as the other fantastically nerdy podcasts that we've partnered up with over at SpilledPotion.com.
1: And now, Nerdlings, let's grab our flashlights and join us as we venture down into the dark world of true crime together.
0: Welcome, nerdlings, to our collaboration bonus episode today. Today, Ash and I are joining forces with our good friend Kevin from over at the Jury Room podcast, which is going to be a blast. And we joined together in order to discuss a case from two true crime bloggers out of the UK named Lolly True Crime and Jared Adams. We will share a link to their blogs in our show notes for you all, uh, just like we always do. So definitely go check them out as this true crime blogging duo have each tackled the cases we're covering today, which is, of course, the murders of Sharon Harper and Julie Pacey. Their blog proposes that there may be a link between the two cases, and it makes for an interesting read. So go check out their blog to learn more about the case, which happened in the town of Grantham, Lincolnshire, England, back in 1994.
1: I know I'm super excited to get to partner up with Kevin as Nat and I are both obsessed fans of his show. So, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. It's honestly awesome to get to collab with someone that we've been talking to for the past couple months.
0: For sure.
2: (laughs) Well, first of all, thanks for having me uh, here on the (laughs) Crime Time Nerds podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, Nat Nash are definitely two of my most favorite people out there in the podcasting world. Um, But over at the Jury Room Podcast, I kind of cover a little bit of a little bit of everything. I got serial killers to unsolved mysteries, missing person cases and pretty much everything in between. (laughs) Um, I've got different interviews with detectives and, and whatnot in the law enforcement industry. But you can find me at Jury Room Podcast pretty much anywhere and everywhere.
0: Absolutely. And I will also be putting links to Kevin's show in our uh, show notes as well. So please definitely go give it a listen. You will not be disappointed. Ash and I are seriously not joking when we say we're obsessed. Basically, (laughs) Kevin, you just need to pump out more episodes because I'm caught up. That's where we're at. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us.
2: You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Now, it has been 27 years since the murder of Sharon Harper first occurred. Sharon Harper was a young woman who lived in Grantham, England, back in 1994. She had just turned 21 years old four days before her murder. She had just become a young mother to an infant girl who was only five months old at the time of her death. Sharon had also been planning to marry the father of her baby, Michael, and was looking forward to her future as being a new mom and a new wife. Sharon was described as likable, fun-loving, and straightforward by those who knew her. Sharon worked three times a week as a barmaid at the Market Cross pub, where she normally would walk from her home to the bar in order to work her shifts. She was considered a hard worker and reliable, and she very much enjoyed her job. On July 1st of 1994, sharon harper left her home at sycamore court in grantham lincolnshire in order to go to her job as a barmaid at the market cross pub located in the village of westgate sharon walked to the bar that night as she normally did in order to get to work after dropping off her young daughter with a friend to be watched while she was away at work Sharon's boyfriend also worked at nights, so they needed someone to watch over their infant daughter while they were away at work. She worked her entire shift, and witnesses from the bar stated that Sharon was in good spirits that night, and nothing seemed amiss. Sharon left the bar shortly after midnight of July 2nd, after she finished her shift, and had a drink with her co-workers after closing that night. Sharon was one of the last people to leave the bar that night after closing. Normally, Sharon would leave the bar and walk to her child sitter's home to pick up her daughter after finishing her work for the evening. The night of July 2nd was different. Sharon Harper never made it to pick up her young infant daughter. Sharon usually walked along Westgate, Harlaxton Road, and Trent Road in order to get home from the bar an anonymous witness did state that they spotted Sharon off a Harlaxton road outside of the archway's service station, arguing with an unidentified man. The man was described to have been in his thirties with long dark hair. Later that night, she was also spotted by a local taxi driver at a public phone booth back towards the pub. So for unknown reasons, She had backtracked towards the pub after leaving. The taxi driver stated that he saw Sharon arguing with a man outside the phone booth. The man was described to have long shoulder length hair and was wearing a white t shirt and jeans. Later that morning of July 2nd, Sharon's boyfriend had planned to pick Sharon up and go out shopping around 8 a.m. It was at this time that he discovered she was missing. The next day, July 3rd, Sharon's body was discovered at a car park not far from where she had last been spotted, arguing with the unknown man. Her body was found hidden among shrubbery that partially concealed her. Upon discovery, investigators could see that Sharon had signs of being beaten around her cranial region. An autopsy revealed evidence that Sharon had been strangled. ...and had sex sometime before her murder. It was never able to be determined just where Sharon had actually been murdered. Forensics did discover one unknown hair thought to belong to Sharon's attacker. One of Sharon's friends did state that about a month prior to Sharon's murder... ...she spotted Sharon outside a Woolworths arguing with an unknown man with shoulder-length brown hair... Sharon never spoke about who that man was. The Harper family has had very little closure since the death of their beloved Sharon. Her daughter, Sarah, grew up without a mother, raised by her grandparents, who mourned the loss of their own beloved daughter. The case of Sharon Harper has been a cold case for 27 years. There were five arrests in total regarding her murder, but all were released and none of those suspects were ever charged. At this time, Sharon Harper's case remains unsolved.
1: While Sharon's case has never been solved, it has often been linked in recent years to a similar murder, which occurred only two months later in the same town of Grantham, England. That murder was of 38-year-old Julie Pacey, who was murdered in her home on December 26th of 1994. Julie Pacey was a married, attractive blonde, mother of two, who lived in Grantham, Lincolnshire, back in 1994. One thing to note is that this is the same area, and only a few months later from the murder of Sharon Harper. Julie Pacey married her husband, Andrew Pacey, back in 1977, and the couple had been married for 18 years. The Paces had two children, and both Julie and Andrew had grown up in the Grantham area most of their lives. The couple bought a home in Grantham, on Long Cliff Road, and settled into suburban family life in Grantham, Lincolnshire. The Pacey's were well-regarded in their town. They were considered kind, outgoing, and just generally good people. Julie worked part-time at a nursery and her husband Andrew worked as a plumber. Family was important to the Pacey family. They ate dinner together every night at the dinner table, and they were a close-knit family. Julie was described as a caring and considerate person by those closest to her. She often watched a local girl after school while the girl's mother was away at work. There was only one day a week that Julie did not child-sit for the little girl, and that was Monday afternoons. One afternoon, September 23rd to be exact, while the young girl, who Julie Pacey child-sat for, was walking up the driveway of the Pacey home after school, she described seeing a man wearing blue coveralls and brown workman boots, walking out of the Pacey driveway. The young girl described the man as being about 35 and having a round face, a ruddy complexion, and being heavier set. Julie Pacey explained to her family that the man had knocked on the door and Julie had thought it was the young girl she child sat for and told the knocker to come inside. Julie was surprised to find the large man having walked into her home. Oof, that is very scary. (laughs) The idea of a complete stranger walking into your house without knowing is just really unsettling. For sure. The man told Julie he was looking for directions to S. Dale Road. Julie gave the man the directions he was looking for and he subsequently left. Julie did tell her family about the uncomfortable and honestly downright scary incident. Three days later on September 26th, which happened to be a Monday afternoon, Julie spent her morning working at her part-time job working at a nursery for children. Julie worked at the nursery a few days a week while her kids were away at school. She had worked for the nursery for about a year, and she loved playing with the kids, and they loved playing with her. Julie left for work on the afternoon of September 26th at about 2.30 p.m. that day. Julie's husband was on a plumbing job that day, so he was not at home on September 26. One thing that has been mentioned quite a bit in this case is witness statements regarding the Pacey's family car. Julie Pacey had an Audi 80 car at that time in 1994. But many witnesses stated that they had seen Julie driving a 5-series BMW every once in a while during that time period. The car is interesting because several witnesses saw the car during that time frame when Julie Pacey was murdered. But the Pacey's didn't own a BMW, they owned an Audi. Just something to keep in mind as this car seems to be an important piece of the puzzle as to what happened leading up to Julie Pacey's murder. One of Julie's friends stated that she had seen that 5 Series BMW turning into the Pacey family driveway and parking next to Julie's Audi at some time frame near the day of Julie's murder. I wasn't able to track down the exact date that this car was seen in the Pacey driveway, but I did want to call it out as it's an interesting piece of information regarding the case. The friend also noted that Julie's Audi was also parked in the Pacey driveway that day that she saw the BMW pull in. After leaving work on September 26th, Julie did leave her house one more time shortly after initially returning home from work. Julie was spotted driving on High Cliff Road, which wasn't far from the Pacey home by a witness who Julie knew. The witness stated it was around 3.10 p.m. when she saw Julie driving down High Cliff Road. The witness also stated that she saw a man walking towards her as she was getting into her taxi at the same time as Julie drove past. The man was wearing blue coveralls, according to the witness. The witness also stated that the car stopped briefly and then continued down towards the junction of that road. The car turned on their left blinker heading towards Longcliffe Road, where the Pacey family lived. The witness noted that the man in coveralls continued walking towards her for a moment and then abruptly turned around and ran towards the car in the junction. She didn't see anything further after that moment. This was the last time that Julie Pacey was seen alive. Julie's teenage daughter arrived home about an hour after Julie was last seen driving. Julie's daughter walked upstairs when her mother didn't answer her as she came inside the house, pushed open the Pacey's bathroom door Meeting resistance as she tried to open the door. Finally, she was able to get the bathroom door opened. There she found her mother, Julie Pacey, lying on the bathroom floor. Julie was found on the bathroom floor with her tights and underwear below her knees. At the time of her murder, Julie had been wearing a black sweater with a higher collar, and so her daughter didn't immediately realize what happened to her mother. She just thought that her mom had passed out. When she couldn't get her mom to respond, Julie Pacey's teenage daughter called the UK's emergency system, which is 999. After efforts to revive Julie Pacey failed, emergency responders pulled down Julie's collar and found pronounced ligature marks around her neck. Investigators were called into the Pacey home, and it was at this time that it was determined Julie Pacey had been brutally, sexually assaulted and then strangled to death. Investigators stated that it did not seem as if there had been much of a struggle from Julie. There was DNA evidence recovered from Julie's body at that time. Police note that the Pacey home showed no evidence of a break-in. Everything was immaculate as normal, and a cup of coffee was on the bedside table. One thing to note is that there was only one item of Julie's that had come up missing, which was a Luc de Roche watch that she had gotten a few months previous on a vacation to Paris. This is a unique watch as there was a limited amount of them made and none existed in the UK that was like Julie's. That Luke DeRoche watch that Julie Pacey owned was never able to be located after that day. Again, this is a watch that would have been noticed had it been sold as there weren't any others like it in the UK at that time. With little evidence of a break-in being apparent, investigators determined that either Julie knew her attacker and let them in or the attacker was able to effortlessly walk into the Pacey home. Remember a few days before that, an unknown gentleman had just walked into the Pacey home without Julie letting him in, so it's possible that maybe their front door was unlocked. DCI Graham White, one of the investigators on Julie Pacey's murder, was quoted in an article as stating, quote, There were no signs of a break-in, so we have to assume that the killer either walked in or Julie let him in. Probably Julie was surprised in the bathroom, yet nothing in the bathroom or the bedroom was disturbed. There were no bruises on her body and no other marks except where the ligature had been. This man probably opened the front door, walked up the stairs, strangled his victim and left, There was never a lot of leads into the murder of Julie Pacey. Investigators went house to house looking for answers as to what happened to Julie Pacey. And while DNA evidence of her death was recovered and has been put into the DNA databases, there have been no hits at this time. Investigators still do not know who the owner of the BMW was, why witnesses saw Julie driving that BMW on several instances, and why that BMW was parked next to the Audi on the day of her murder. It has been 26 years since the murder of Julie Pacey in Grantham, Lincolnshire, England, back in September, 1994. She was murdered in a similar fashion to Sharon Harper, who was murdered only a few months before Julie Pacey of that year.
0: While no suspects have ever been apprehended in regards to both the murder of Sharon Harper and that of Julie Pacey, there are some similarities and theories that do exist regarding these two mothers' cruel murders. Investigators have never formally linked these two women's murders together. It's just an important note that we wanted to make. Again, these are just theories. There is not any current investigations that are ongoing that connect Julie Pacey or Sharon Harper's murders together. One theory that has been pretty popular among internet sleuths is that Julie Pacey and Sharon Harper were both murdered by a serial killer. The evidence for this theory being that both women lived and were murdered in the town of Grantham, Lincolnshire. Both their murders occurred just a few months apart. Both women were mothers. Sharon Harper's body showed signs that she had had sex before her murder and Julie Pacey had been savagely sexually assaulted. Some other similarities were that both women were strangled to death, although Sharon was also beaten, whereas Julie was not. Witnesses in both cases stated that each woman was associated with an unknown man, Sharon's encounter being that several witnesses saw her speaking with a long-haired man and arguing with him at several points on the night she was murdered, as well as once previous to her actual murder. Julie's encounter, meanwhile, happened just a few days before when an unknown man wearing blue coveralls entered her home for directions and was also seen walking in a nearby street on the day Julie was murdered. In the year of 1994, there were other nearby murders in Grantham, Lincolnshire, that were thought to be the possible work of a serial killer. Out of those 14, it was thought that the murders could potentially belong to that of four different men who all could have been serial killers who were active in that area around the times that both Sharon Harper and Julie Pacey were murdered. While there are many similarities to both Sharon Harper and Julie Pacey's case, there are some differences that we should point out as well. Some of these differences being that the descriptions of the unknown men that each woman was seen with are fairly different. The unidentified man who was seen arguing with Sharon was described as a man with long, dark hair, and younger than the man that was seen in the coveralls or work boots at Julie's murder. Also, the man described in Julie's case had red cheeks, which seemed to stand out, and none of the witnesses mentioned this feature regarding the man seen arguing with Sharon. Sharon was also beaten as well as strangled, Julie Pacey was strangled, but showed no signs of being beaten. There was no mention of anything of Sharon's being missing. Whereas in Julie's case, there was a mention of her watch being stolen. Sharon was murdered after she was walking home. She was not attacked in her home. At this time, both Sharon Harper's murder and that of Julie Pacey remain unsolved. Neither of these women have gotten justice both of their families were left devastated after losing these amazingly strong mothers. And to this day, no one really knows if these two women's stories are intertwined as many internet sleuths think, or if these were two brutal murders that just happened in the same town, a few months apart, and in some similar manners. We can only hope that at some point, DNA evidence will lead investigators to the answers as to what happened to Julie Pacey and Sharon Harper in Grantham, Lincolnshire, England, back in 1994, two young mothers who never got to live to see their children grow up. Oof, that that is two heavy cases right there. It's really sad. So, I gotta ask, what do you guys think? What are your thoughts on these two women's cases? Do you think they're related or do you think that these are just two kind of murders that happen to occur in a short span of time nearby each other?
2: I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. I I mean, there's the... uh definitely the theory that it's a serial killer could definitely be the same Mm -hmm. person who killed both women altering his M.O. being that one was beaten while the other one Mm. wasn't and while one had sex but the other one was sexually assaulted so Mm. maybe you know he was able to convince one of them to have sex with him and then killed her as to where the other one shot him down and then he assaulted her anyways and then killed her
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm on the fence too. this one. I, I can see both arguments. I could absolutely see that this could have been a serial killer or somebody who was like, if it was a serial killer, he could have also been, this sounds very strange, but oftentimes serial killers are perfecting their M.O. So, you know, they're changing things with each murder, you know, especially as they're escalating and things. So this could have been one of those where we're seeing those slight variations because things were being changed.
2: Well, right. And which one was he getting off more to, right? Was he right. getting off more of the, you know, convincing the, the women to have sex with him? Or was he, you know, was he getting off more on the sexual assault?
0: Right. I, I'm torn on this one.
2: Ash, what do you think?
1: I personally don't think these are related. That's uh, just my personal opinion. Um, just because it's so different. In Sharon Harper's case, the male who could have possibly been her murderer was seen in public. And I mean, so was the other one in Julie's case, but he wasn't seen fighting with Julie. Or I almost feel like Sharon Harper's case was kind of like a domestic assault mm. situation, kind of gone sour. Um, and I kind maybe of maybe
0: she was seeing somebody else, or somebody from the past had come back into the picture.
1: Yeah, like some guy had come back in the picture, and then I th- honestly think that Julie's case kind of been somebody who had been watching her for a while or but Mm. the bmw is weird i don't understand that that is kind of like the same i don't want to say these women were seeing other people in their lives but it's Mm -hmm. a big possibility
0: right yeah it's different on this one i i kind of lean towards stalker a little bit and maybe separate situations a lot of these have like almost i don't know like a little bit of an obsessive stalking piece to it like The fact that the guy was seen walking around that neighborhood um, for Julie Pacey and then doubled back, he'd come into our house the day before. So part of me wonders if that gentleman was scoping out the house the first day to see how easily he could come in and then came back, which he'd already learned he could just walk into Julie's house. It wasn't locked. So I don't know. I'm torn on this. I could see both points that it could be a serial killer or it could be a, a situation of two separate cases.
1: Also, when you think of, like, blue coveralls, when I think of that, I think of somebody who's, like, a plumber or a locksmith. A worker. Or a worker. So, going into the house, an onlooker probably wouldn't be able to see something different as just someone going into mm-hmm. work in a house.
0: Absolutely. And so, who knows? Plus, the house, um, one of the things I had read was that the house next door had work being done on it. So, he wouldn't have necessarily stood out drastically until after the murders. Yeah. And he may not be related at all. You know, there's also that, too. It's unknown at this point, so it's a hard one. I think the best chance that they have in this case is that they did get DNA evidence from Julie. That, I think, is probably going to be their best potential link. Although it's weird they haven't got a hit at all, so it's possible that this person's never been caught, more than likely, and hasn't had a previous crime.
2: Well, who knows? Maybe someday one of their relatives or long-lost cousins or brothers does an ancestry dna test or something and then they you know run it through that database yeah
0: yeah the genetic dna testing has been so so huge for a lot of cold cases so i'm with you there kevin i think that's probably the way that this is going to go down it's a strange case so hopefully in time they'll get more answers and with that nerdlings we conclude the case of sharon harper and julie pacey We owe a big thanks to Kevin from The Jury Room for joining us today. Seriously, like we said, go listen to his amazing show. You won't be disappointed. Also, big thanks to bloggers Jared Adams and Lolly True Crime for sharing this story of these two mothers who tragically were taken away too soon. Definitely go check out their blogs and read their thoughts and theories on the cases of Sharon Harper and Julie Pacey. And in time, we can all hope that Sharon and Julie's families will finally get closure after all this time.
1: And if you liked this episode or any of our others, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast subscriber. You can also hit us up on our Instagram at Crimetime Nerds, or check our case notes out at CrimetimeNerds.com, where we post references and photos of all of our cases. We also have a Twitter account, which is at Crimetime Nerds, and an email you can reach us at, which is CrimetimeNerds at gmail.com. Until then, you crime-loving nerds,